1: Welcome to Down to Dunk I'm your host Andrew Schleck We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network With me, as always, on Wednesday Is my good friend Alex Spears Alex, what's up? Uh, I wasn't ready, where's the intro? <laughs> it's, not, it's not here right now Just l- leave it alone so Blame Stephen Adams for that or I guess not Stephen, blame Sam Presty for that Man, So uh, there's few few guys on that intro that are still left on the team. And I don't know how I'm going
2: to get another intro, Alex. Uh, yeah, it would be really awkward if they have like a Zoom media day and at the oh, end of goodness. it you're like, oh, excuse me, excuse me, would you mind <laughs> <laughs> you would could you? just say real quick that you're down to dunk? <laughs> yeah, we may, uh,
1: we'll have to, to do something else for this season in particular. Are I, any of these guys on cameo? We could just pay for it. I know Dort's on cameo. Have you seen Dort on Cameo? <laughs> no, so there's one. It's hilarious. It is really good. He was like, what was he? I think fifteen dollars at some point. And then he after the playoffs, he upped it to like fifty bucks
2: a pop. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Oof, oof. yeah I, don't, I don't yeah, I guess that.
1: Oh man, Media Day is gonna be awful.
2: Yeah. Totally.
1: I I am just now thinking of that.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be. Yeah, it's not gonna be good.
1: It's just gonna be me just doing this, but just sitting here and just staring at my computer for five hours. I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, what I am looking forward to is Frank Jackson joining the Thunder as a free agent. Hey, we finally got him. We finally got our guy. Sam always gets his guy. So Frank Jackson was on the Pelicans. Uh, he was—he's uh, a point guard. Kind of. Well, he's not really a point guard. He's—I would just call him a guard. He's a guard from the uh, 2017 draft. Now the Thunder have three guys on their team. Even after trading Ferguson, they still have three guys from the 2017 draft that they've acquired: Frank Jackson, TJ Leaf, and Justin Jackson. Uh, it appears they're cornering the market on all the bad guys that went in the one to thirty-one range. They've already had Terrence Ferguson. They've already had Justin Patton. Like, who else? What other check marks do we need to get there? Maybe Fultz makes a stop here. Maybe they acquire DJ Wilson at some point. Uh, Pesek, Pesekniks. Maybe you can already say that he was on the Thunder since he was mentioned in a tweet about the Thunder. Who knows? Maybe Caleb Swanigan joins the Thunder, and then maybe that, that wraps it up for OKC for the first-round uh, the first, first round bus from the 2017 draft.
2: <laughs> yeah, Swanigan would be a real deep dive because I have not seen him in a while. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess, you know, if, if the other option is just signing signing random guys, which is kind of like what Hinky did with the Sixers, yeah. Um. I, I kind of like the idea of just going to drafts of one to two years ago and just picking up a few <laughs> of those guys. I mean, at least they have some pedigree yeah. in comparison. It's not like you're just grabbing someone off the street. You're grabbing someone who at one time was thought of as a first-round pick within yeah. recent memory, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I don't. I mean, I actually like taking a swing at Frank Jackson. I don't know how much he plays or really where he plays, because you look at the Thunder roster. One, the Thunder roster has way too many guys on it, way too many. And I know that the Horford deal hasn't been done yet, so I think you're allowed to carry 20 guys on your roster. Uh, And I don't think that includes. I, I don't actually. I don't know if it includes two way guys, but they already have two two way contracts. They've got 21 players now. Uh, I don't. I don't know how this works because, I mean, they'll have to acquire Al Horford. They'll have to get um, Tim Aladon signed. But I don't. I don't quite understand how this is going to work. I mean, this. It just says that either the Thunder are going to be waving guys like Isaiah Roby and Kendrick Williams and Zion Cheatham and uh, Josh Gray. Maybe they'll just wave all those guys or. Maybe there's another trade coming. I assume there's another trade coming because I believe that George Hill and Trevor Ariza are eminently flippable. But uh, overall, it was a little confused by by that signing. I like taking a swing, but uh, logistically, there's still some stuff to be worked out before training camp starts in one
2: week, Alex. I know. (laughs) I I was looking at I'm on thunderousintentions.com. Mm. This was three years ago. Mm-hmm. A guy named Tony Heim, if he's listening, shout out to Tony Heim. He wrote this about uh, the Thunder making this promise to Frank Jackson. Yeah, and in my, in my memory, it was just kind of like a rumor. You know, it was just kind of out there the way other things have been out there. But Royce actually tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. He actually said, "There's growing chatter. Frank Jackson has a first round promise, and the OKC is the team." And then shout out to Tony Heim. He says. I have a few quick thoughts on this. If the Thunder really want to take a point guard, there are better options on the board at number 21. Derek White, especially. Shout out. Shout out. See, that's a great choice. My, that's my guy.
1: Yeah, there's obviously a lot of guys. Derek White, Josh Hart, even who went 30. But yeah, I mean, you take a you take a swing. You see if you can get anything out of Frank Jackson. It doesn't actually bode super well for him that the Pelicans, who are s- still a pretty young team, just let him let him go. I also don't understand why he wasn't included as a part of the trade with for right yeah like why didn't they sign and trade for him i don't i don't understand it from that perspective at all because i don't see josh gray as being like a future piece for the thunder or anything
2: right that deal reading some of the details on it really made some of those guys lives like I, I forget which of those three guys he was about to sign a deal in Turkey for like way less money and then all of a sudden they call him up and they're like hey we need to sign and trade you for this and he just made a quick like 1.6 million yeah. boom yeah it's a big what deal. what a deal it's a big it's a i mean all those guys i mean
1: i think Kendrick williams maybe would have gotten a deal uh with the with some team but like cheat cheatham probably not who is who's a one of dort's buddies by the way Oh, really? Yeah, he played at Arizona State with, with Dort. Uh, oh. And then Josh Gray. Never heard of him. Could not pick him out of a lineup. Don't know him. Maybe we'll maybe we'll never know him. But I don't know who he is. So, yeah, there's there's just more to be done with this Thunder roster. Uh, because, I mean, I think we know, like, Dort, SGA, Baisley, Justin Jackson, Maladon, Hami, Ty Jerome, TJ Leaf, Schofield, uh, Poku, Vincent Poirier. Like those are the guys like I'm pretty sure okay, those guys will be on the roster day one and maybe throughout the entire season. But then you have your your question mark guys, like the three sign and trade guys from the Pelicans. I have no clue if they're just
2: like, Yeah, we're just gonna gift this to you and then you can right. you can go on with your life. Uh, I was li- I was listening to the uh, Ryan Rossillo podcast and he had Bobby marks on and Bobby was telling that story about when they did that with uh, uh, Keith Van Horn oh right like they they just needed him for this deal and he had been technically retired for four years yep. And he told the story about how he had to call up his agent and was like, hey, would Keith come back just for like two weeks and we'll pay him $5 million? <laughs> and he said that Keith Van Horn came in and would just read like in the office <laughs> during practice and that Bobby Marks got a call from the office that was like, hey, we know what you're doing. This shouldn't be legal. We're going to come by and make sure that he's working out. So, league officials came by the Nets practice facility to watch Keith Van Horn work out on the exercise machines.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really fun. Oh, shoot. Yeah, don't at least do that with Zylan Cheatham instead of uh, (laughs) Keith Van Horn or like like signing Kendrick Perkins to a deal. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, Anything else Thunder related that, uh, that you need to get off your chest before we get into these Eastern Conference over unders?
2: No, I, I am, like you, I am excited to see how this shakes out because it's clear just based on the amount of players on this team that there are still things to happen. Yeah, And, he, you know, who who knows? At, at the low end, maybe it's just them waving a couple guys. Mm-hmm. But on the high end, maybe we still got a few trades left in us. So that's exciting. That's keeping me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I assume there could be a
1: deal for George Hill on the table in the next week. He's a guy that I just think is... His contract is good. He's still a really good player. I just and I can see many contenders having one like a, a bad player they could send back that makes around that money, and then sending a, a first round pick back for George
2: Hill. I mean, I, oh, there's. I mean, I was thinking Philly, like Philly, would be a great option. There's, there's like basically any team.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talk. We've talked about the Torian Prince deal. Yeah, why? Why not that? On a tutorial Prince, next year's first round pick, lottery protected,
2: and just call it a, call it done, right? Who who did they take at nineteen? And did they already trade that person? Um, didn't they traded
1: they traded for Shamit in that three team deal?
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Okay.
1: Yeah. But I mean, why not? I mean, you, you just really what you need around Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is just as many guys that can knock down a three point shot. And he's, he right. shot 46% last year on high volume.
2: So take him. Take him off our hands. We don't need him.
1: We don't need the him Flukie
2: here. Flukie says, uh, you made fun of my trade with three sign-in trades from the Pelicans for the award show, and I feel like I deserve an apology. You know what, Flukey? I'm sorry. You were closer to the real trade <laughs> than anyone else. <laughs> Very sorry.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it's I, I, that's a guy that I think could be on the move. Ariza as well could be on the move just because people like to trade for Trevor Ariza and then Hal Horford is an interesting one in that I just don't really see a, a landing spot that makes a ton of sense for him and he just may be a guy that the Thunder have to rehab his value a little bit
2: yeah for sure and and similar to George Hill except George Hill's is coming a year early but George Hill just has the 9 million or whatever this year and then next year he only has a million guaranteed. Yeah. So it's a it's a great contract for any team that just wants to see what George Hill has left, which I mean honestly, 9 million isn't that much. I could see a team just keeping him through the the extent of that contract. Yeah. But the same thing with Al Horford. If you can get through this year without Horford or at least to the trade deadline, at that point you really only have one full year left. And then that last year is partially guaranteed. Now, it's more than George Hill. I think it's like $14 million guaranteed mm-hmm. of the 27. But still, it's much less of a commitment than it initially seems. It's, it's much less of a bad contract compared to, like, the Russell Westbrooks of the world and the Chris Paul. And we've kind of lumped it in with all of those contracts or the Tobias Harris contract is like, oh, this is one of these awful contracts. But it does right. give you some relief in that last year. Yeah, I think it's, it's a really good point.
1: Uh, Austin Sternlich says the Nets don't need another point guard, but I don't really see George Hill as a point guard. I, I see him more as—I mean, he can defend some wings. He's more really a shooting guard or secondary ball handler. So it's—he's not—he's not a guy that needs the ball. So that's—I mean, that's—I don't—I don't know.
2: I don't really see him Andrew. As like pe- a point people guard. are clamoring in the chat. Please talk
1: about the Gallows
2: sign and trade.
1: Oh. Yeah, that was kind of a fun little surprise. I mean, essentially Gallo, the Thunder, and the Hawks worked together to do a sign-and-trade, very reminiscent of what they did when Tavo Seppolosha signed with the Hawks years ago, where it seemed like, okay, Tavo's gone. He's going to the Hawks, that was all reported. And then when the deal was actually done, they ended up doing a sign-and-trade. So the Thunder get a traded player exception and they get a conditional second round pick, which I assume is like top 55 protected or something like that, where they just don't actually get the pick. So it's really right. just for uh, a trade-of-player exception, which the Thunder may or may not use. They've been using them all week. And it's just it's just helpful with flexibility for them. And it could help them take on a contract. So I don't know. I'm not... It's, it's fine. It's cool. Just getting just a little bit of value. But I think that's really about it. Not a whole lot to, to say on that one. What do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I think with all of these um, trade exceptions that they're creating, it's kind of like, why not? Um, they they could potentially be useful down the road. I doubt they're going to use all of them, but they'll probably use end up using some of them, and they can make some deals just a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So why not? And if you read, I thought um, one of the recent... Series on the Athletic that's been really good is John Hollinger's breakdown of like some of the cap minutia. Yeah, and you read some of that and look at just like how brilliant that New Orleans trade was in comparison to, for instance, some of the things the Bucks are doing, like outside of the failed Bogdanovich sign trade. But just teams that understand the cap and are extracting maximum value out of every asset even if that maximum value is only the creation of a trade exception um, it's just like something smart teams do and he gave a few examples from the bucks where they have just like dropped the ball again and again in terms of maximizing the value of their assets hmm. yeah yeah you got you got to read john hollinger
1: he's been he's been a machine lately And I mean he's creates a ton of content for the athletic you can go to the athletic.com slash down to dunk uh, and get the athletic for one dollar a week right now so go check that out and if you and if you want to wait which maybe you should wait until Friday you can get the athletic.com for one dollar a month for 12 months as the Black Friday sale so you really don't want to miss that one wow 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 uh but yeah the the traded player exception they created a giant one for Steven Adams And uh, they may or may not be using that for the Al Horford deal. They may just wait on the Al Horford deal to be done. Uh, I think they have to wait until December 8th to actually complete that deal. So my guess is we'll either hear something today or they will just wait to make that deal official because you can't, like they can't trade uh, more than, you can't trade another player with Danny Green until the 8th of December and so they couldn't do the deal because of that. Or they could do it in separate transactions and trade Al Horford into the trade exception and then do the deal with, do the deal that way. But my guess is that they just, they'll probably just wait. I figured we would've heard something yesterday, but they may just wait to do that deal. So you may not hear anything in, in, we won't have Al Horford in Oklahoma City uh, for a little while. We won't have, Teo Maladon won't be a part of the team for a little while, but not that that matters to the Thunder all that much. But it's just, just one of those little little things that we're waiting for from the Thunder that I assume we'll either find out pretty soon that something will happen. If you don't hear anything, just assume that it'll be the eighth of December, and then. And some people I think would probably prefer that because you get to keep that giant twenty-seven million traded player exception to take on you could take on a player's contract and
2: take you know bring in an asset so now if if the thunder they're only getting that because they're over the cap they're acting as an over the cap team because if they were way under the cap what's the difference between having an exception versus just taking a guy into your into your space
1: it's a really good question and i don't have a good answer for it
2: shout out john ham if you're in the chat Now's the time to speak up. Now,
1: now's the time that we need you, John Ham. Uh, I'll uh, I'll ask John Ham here in a minute and see if we can get an answer on that. But I I don't know. I don't know what the benefit would be. <coughs> Thunder will obviously be a team way under the cap next summer. Yeah. But, big time. But perhaps you use it during the season for for somebody that needs to to trade a a big name player that. Uh, so, anyways. Yeah, Zach, you're right. Zach Lalonde says that he understands that the exception allows you to go over the cap. Yes, it does. We're just wondering if there's a benefit to using it when you're under the cap and could take them on anyways.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Alex, you want to go on to Eastern Conference over-unders?
2: Yeah, I can't believe it's already time for over-unders, but I was looking at the calendar Remembering that it took us seven weeks to get through this last year, <laughs> and we only have four Wednesday pods. Actually, it might even be less than that before the season starts. Is that Is true? A... The season's starting on December 22nd, correct? We have three. No, we have four. We have today, the 2nd, 9th, 16th. Oh, yeah. So Alex! I know. Four... Uh, we have four Wednesday pods before oh. th- we're watching basketball. Wow that doesn't feel be, right. Honestly, yeah, to be quite frank, a little too soon. Okay, <laughs> <They, they laughs> too it soon. Back another week. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we got to get started on these over-unders knowing our pace last year. We need to get through like 7 or 8 per week. Okay. Um, but I, but I think it'll be good because there's a lot of teams that we just haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. And everything is basically done at this point. So we're free to talk about them, but there are a few things I want to bring up. First, I'm going to bring up this is super confusing, but last year and this coming season, they will they have not played eighty two games. Right. So I'm going. I'm. I had to adjust. Yeah. So that it would make sense in our heads when we're comparing what the over under is this year compared to their record last year. I think there's a lot of things to take into account when you're choosing an over under this year. One, the fact that there's only going to be seventy two games. How does that affect teams differently? Um, I think that in the West. When we get to the West, there's going to be a lot of teams that are decent Mm -hmm. to good. And so I almost think that for some of those mid tier teams, I might bump them a little higher, and maybe the high tier teams, I bump them a little lower. Um, There's some new coaches that we got to factor in. There is the fact that, you know, COVID is still out there, and we've seen how COVID has impacted the NFL season. There might be a chance that guys sit out like, yeah. Two weeks at a time If they're going into quarantine It's likely, yeah So that's, I mean that you can't even guess What's going to happen But that's Correct. definitely going to probably factor Into some of these over-unders When we get to the end of the season So m- general recommendation Probably don't bet real money Unless you're super <laughs> confident And if you are going to bet real money I generally would take the under On any of these Just because I think this is going to be A really weird season yep. And I think that if, if you're going to bet on something happening, it would be that one of these players has to be out for two weeks, and that negatively affects the team, rather than just guessing, like, oh, everything's going to go perfect for this team, and let's go over. Right. So, all these odds that I'm going to give you are from betonline.ag. Mm. And today, we we're doing the non-playoff teams from the Eastern Conference, which you you know usually every year, these are the worst of the group. You know, who cares? They are most far removed from from the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not a team that is in our conference, not a team that maybe we'd face in the playoffs if we made the championship. <laughs> it's it's just like the dregs of the East. Who yeah, cares? But yeah. this season, I feel like this is exciting because these are the teams, these are the crop of teams that we're going to be fighting with for that top pick.
1: That's exactly right. This is, a, this is our real competition here.
2: Yeah, so the, I feel like we're starting off with a bang, and we're starting off with the best bang, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers, Absolutely. who last year... We're 19 and 46, which is equivalent to winning 24 games. This year, their over/under is 21.5, which is equivalent to winning 24 and a half games. So basically, Vegas is projecting them to win essentially the same amount of games. Yep. Key lo- key losses: Tristan Thompson, Alfonso McKinney. Key additions: Isaac Okoro, Javale McGee, Damian Dotson. What? How are you feeling about the Cavs? Because something that, in fact, I want to ask you a trivia question. Mm-hmm something that we haven't thought about the Cavs much is that they did trade for Andre Drummond last year, and he only played in eight games for them. Do you know what their record was in those eight games? I have no idea. Five and five and three? I don't know. They were four and four, which if you project that over an entire <laughs> season, they're a 500 team, so something yeah. to think about.
1: Yeah. They do have a few of those like dra- drag-us-to-the-middle guys, right? With Kevin they Love do. and Andre Drummond.
2: And it's so weird because with everything going on with the Thunder, occasionally you'll look at their roster and, like, you can talk yourself into the Thunder roster at some point, especially when you're looking at their starting five. Mm -hmm. You're like, is this team going to be as bad as we're kind of hoping they're going to be bad? But then I did it, I did the exact same thing with the Cavs. 'Cause you're like looking at the roster and it's like, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, front court, that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. You put Colin Sexton, had a great second half of the season. It they did. finally got a defender in Okoro. Yep. Maybe you throw in Chetty Osman in there. Like all of a sudden, like that sounds fine. Yep. That doesn't sound like a twenty four win team. hmm But clearly it happened last year, and the question is, do you think it'll continue or will they get snake bitten again? Which is kind of what happened last year. I mean, a lot of their guys got injured. It was just a nasty season, John Beeline. It was the John Beeline season. Oh
1: my gosh, I forgot about John Beeline.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my
1: gosh. Oh, yeah. I. I mean, they're going to be super terrible. I and mean, let's just be honest. Unless, I mean, and Kevin Love like visibly frustrated throughout most of the season last year. I don't expect any any of that to change. I mean, honestly, I mean, the only thing that could really change them as if Darius Garland shows up and he's the guy that Mike Schmitz thought he was going to be where yeah. he's like just a shot maker <clears throat> from like multiple levels can hit the deep range three and can really just take a hold of the offense. But if he doesn't do that, which I would expect he doesn't do that, then they just have a lot to figure out. I don't know. Even though that Andre Drummond deal just makes way less sense today even then, it, did, it didn't make sense at the deadline for them, but it makes, makes way less sense today for them because he's he is a guy that's going to get them like sixteen and fourteen a game, and is going to defend at a decent level. I I don't know I I don't like I don't like having him on the team now. They have Javale McGee. I don't know if Javale McGee plays for them, but he's at least on the team. But I don't know. I think that they're. I would take. I might even take the over for them and that would be bad that would be bad luck for them is to to win more than that because they they need to be targeting guys in this upcoming draft but I think if Kevin Love and Andre Drummond are healthy and they get one guard that plays well then they're probably over
2: Yeah I man as as you were talking, I was changing my opinion, and I thought it was going to be the outlier opinion, but yeah, I think I might go over too, just yeah. because you're basically asking, are they going to win the same amount of games that they won last season? Mm-hmm. And I do think that they have a roster is entirely capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, and arguably got a little bit better, and I think adding Okoro... Was a really good pick for them Because mm-hmm. defense was a huge concern with Love the Cavs him, last year yep. They didn't really have any High quality wings, I think he's going to get a lot of Playing time, but also I think he's going to get A lot of playing time in a system where they're not going to be Asking him to do too much mm-hmm. Beyond being a really good defender yep. So I think it's a good situation for him Wow, I think I'm Going over as well <laughs> That's it. <laughs> is I don't
1: know if this is like is, this is Wishful thinking for me <laughs>
2: Maybe it is because they were the team before this all started that I would have said was going to be the worst in the league. Yeah. And now I just went over. I just told everyone if you're good, if you're deciding between one or the other, <laughs> just go under. And then we both took over. Okay. <laughs> well. Oh boy. We'll move over on to the next team. Who? Oh, who's likely... the NBA smart?
1: Who's the NBA smart guy on this? team? Oh,
2: NBA smart guy. I mean, so I think Chetty Osman has had the title yeah. for the Cavs because. Anytime you talk about the Cavs and any type of like, quote unquote, young talent, um, I feel like people always throw in Chetty Osmond, even though he's getting a little bit older at this point. Uh, Actually,
1: oh yeah, go ahead. I think you're about to say what I I was going to say.
2: But I think Isaac Okoro is going to be the new NBA smart guy. I
1: actually think it's Larry Nance Jr.
2: You know, I considered that, but I feel like the people who really like Larry Nance, like Zach Lowe will talk really highly about Larry Nance. Yeah. And those 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 opinions really stick in my mind. Yeah. But then I feel like some people just like totally downplay Larry Nance. Okay. And act like it's not a big deal. But I, I agree that there are some people out there who truly love Larry Nance.
1: Yeah, they do. It's a little it's a little weird to me. But I, I think Chetty is probably the guy. And also just being able to pronounce his name it
2: makes him oh, a yeah. smart guy.
1: Oh, 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 oh yeah. Chetty? Oh yeah right. Let's try Chetty
2: yeah try Chetty (laughs) um okay the next one this is a team that will probably not be competing with Thunder for the worst pick is the Atlanta Hawks no so last year they were 20 and 47 equivalent to 24 and a half wins this year their over-under is 33 and a half which is equivalent to them winning 38 games 38 games key losses DeAndre Bembry Vince Carter Jeff Teague Key additions, Rajon Rondo, Dylan Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Chris Dunn, Solomon Hill, Tony Snell. Who did they take in the draft?
1: Um, oh, they took a Okongwu. Oh,
2: on, yeah, Onyeka. Okongwu. Mm-hmm. So they've, more than any other team, they have probably added the most amount of NBA rotation players mm-hmm. who are okay to very good. Mm-hmm. Projected to win thirty eight games, which frankly in the East means that you're essentially picking them to be a playoff team. Yeah. That's the that's the eighty two game projection, thirty eight wins. Their over under is thirty-three and a half. Um I'm fascinated by this team because they were terrible last year. And yes. one of my I have a crystal ball question for you, Andrew, mm-hmm. which is this which, if any, of Atlanta's young wings will play at least twenty five minutes per night? So last year, you had DeAndre Hunter playing 32 minutes a night, Kevin Herter playing 31 and a half minutes per night, and then Cam Reddish playing 26 and a half minutes per night. Mm -hmm. Do any of those guys crack 25 minutes per game this year?
1: I don't know that they do. To me, Cam Reddish had a really nice back half of the year, so maybe it's him. But I mean, it's like they're throwing extreme shade at the other guys by bringing in Bogdanovich and Gallinari, right?
2: Yeah, and even like just ha- they have so many. I mean, Chris Dunn is probably going to get some of those Herder minutes. Snell as well, will play. Cause, yeah, yeah, because he because Chris Dunn and Rondo can both play with Trey. Yeah, I, mean, I think that was part of the reason bringing them those guys in. So I'm just fascinated by this because they had collected this, you know, I, I would say it was like a, an amazing collection of young wings. Mm-hmm. But they had a lot of young wings that they were invested in or seemingly invested in. And I'd be interested. I have a feeling at least one of those guys will just kind of be out of the rotation. Um, and I don't know who it'll be, who yeah. they value the most.
1: Right. I don't know either. Uh, I. They also got Solomon Hill,
2: who will play. They did get Solomon Hill. Yes.
1: I don't I freaking hate this. I hate this.
2: this it's is... really hard. And we haven't even talked about Clint Capella, who didn't really play for them last year. And right. he's basically another addition coming into this season.
1: Yeah, I hate what they did. I mean, well, you oh,
2: you hate what they did?
1: Yeah, I, I despise. Feel like everyone
2: it. else loves it.
1: I absolutely despise what they did, because <laughs> be bad one more year, and get like the sixth pick in next year's draft. Then you may have an actual team that could be very good in Atlanta. This team, what? What's your ceiling? The middle of the Eastern Conference?
2: I mean, yeah, I think like the eighth seed, seventh seed, if everything goes right. Yeah, "Yeah, Even
1: even in like three years, what's the ceiling with this team with Gallo in the final year of his deal? Gallinari's 32. But we like him. I like him a lot. Very nice, nice man. What is what are you doing? Like what you just this is a this is what you don't want. And this is why we might have to put Clay Bennett's face on a shirt. Is oh no. Because you do not want your ownership to tell your management, "Hey, the losing has been cool. Tanking has been cool up to this point. Now, officially not cool. Get us to the playoffs. Get us there now." And that's where you have to scramble. And they were, their team is largely dictated by how good the free agency class was. One, it wasn't very good, and then two, who you're able to sign. And they got Gallinari, and they got Bogdanovich, and they brought in Rajon Rondo. That's that's all fine. Rondo's 34, Gallo's 32. I mean, I'm just I mean, Rajon Rondo is 12 years older than Trey Young, and is in their rotation. Like, don't don't do this. Don't do this. You don't want to. This is why teams, this is why the Atlanta Hawks will not be a championship contender in the next five or six years. It's because they pull the plug too early. You can't pull the plug too early.
2: And and I think you could make the argument that if they had been the eighth or ninth seed last year. Yes. And now they're adding these pieces. Sure, sure. Kind of makes sense. It's like you're trying to make that next step. But they're just making the step just to get in, frankly, the play-in game. Right, and I, I I like the signing like a Chris Dunn because Chris Dunn's still young, sure. he's a really good defender. Sure, he makes sense next to Trey. He's kind of that backcourt mate that would that they've been looking for, almost like a Patrick Beverly. Even though Chris Dunn cannot shoot like Patrick Beverly, right? But like it it makes sense, and I and I like that one. I even think doing the sign and trade. Well, I guess it was a sign and trade. It was just signing uh, Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. I like that move. Um, but you look at all of their young guys, and some of the—I I would bet that one of these five guys is going to be off the team by the end of the season, which is Hunter, Herter, Reddish, and then you have Onyeka, and then someone we haven't even talked about, John Collins, who's probably the light, most likely to be off of this team. Yeah, like how are any of these guys getting development time?
1: That's and that's where people—it drives me crazy when people are like, "Well, tanking hurts development." No, no, no. This is what hurts development. This is what will hurt the development of the Atlanta Hawks is bringing in guys that are ahead of the other guys that are going to make you a eighth seed and you're just battling for what? I mean, it just drives me crazy. I mean, you look at if you, if I just told you here's the Hawks, Deandre Hunter, Trey Young, a Kong Wu, Chris Dunn, Cam Reddish, John Collins, Kevin Herter. Like that's like, Oh, like that's kind of a fun young team. well, Actually, probably most of those guys aren't going to play because they signed Rondo, traded for Snell, signed, or traded for Clint Capella. They have Bogdanovich and Gallinari. I mean, Bogdanovich and Gallinari, nice players, nice shooters, good to get Trey Young some help, good to get him some shooting. But, I mean, if the, if the goal is to win a championship, they just, they just set themselves back significantly.
2: Because I, mean, I, I think what's going to happen inevitably is that they're going to get lower return for some of these young guys when they inevitably like want to leave. Yeah. Or, or they're not, or they're not going to re-sign them because they're not going to want to commit a ton of cap to them. Guys who are at this point, maybe playing like 10 to 15 minutes per night.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'd love to trade for Kevin Herter or for Cam Reddish or for Deandre Hunter. Like I'd love to trade for any of those guys. I don't necessarily want to trade for John Collins, but man, I just, it's, it's cool cool job Atlanta Hawks but i just it's complete it's pulling the plug too early this is why teams stay on people say like oh tanking doesn't work blah 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 what what doesn't work is when you pull the plug too early that's when it stops working and that's what you don't want and that's why i may be forced to put a cartoon face of our ownership group on a t-shirt so that people can get can back them up and say let us let us finish let us finish this job please
2: and and to be fair like there is the other extreme, which I would argue is what Philly did, which is they draft someone like Jaleel Okafor and then don't sign a point guard who can actually throw him the ball. So, <laughs> and by doing so, basically stunt his growth and development and turn him eventually into an asset that's nothing, that's worth nothing. Yeah. So yeah, they also just picked
1: the wrong guy on that on that front they,
2: too. They did, but like when you're drafting players, if you're going to do what the Thunder do, you still have to. Draft players that work together, make sense together, and sometimes maybe you have to sign a free agent yeah. that just makes those guys look better or, or gives them the environment where they can succeed and develop. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just throw a ball out on the court and be like, "Hey guys, have at it!" Right. Well, and that's
1: uh, and that's what's nice about what the Thunder have on their roster today is that they have a lot of guys that can pass the ball and that can play multiple positions where you can just kind of fit them together. Like SGA is going to be the primary guy. You have Dort who can handle a little bit. Uh, Maladon's going to be able to be a good passer. Uh, Horford is definitely a guy that can help facilitate things. Baisley can. Ty Jerome can. Poku can. So it's nice to have, and I don't know if this was necessarily intentional, but they've kind of fallen back into a team where you've got a lot of nice players that can play multiple spots and that can really work the ball, and so um, I think there's there's value in that for sure. I
2: think you're right. So N Dwyer says Hawks seem like a fake playoff team, which maybe they are, and but that gets to the point. Like, what if they miss the playoffs? Like, what are you now? That could very well happen. I mean, to me, they've it's there's seven teams
1: in the East that are that are almost locks to make it, and so there's one spot. And could that spot go back to Orlando again? Definitely could. Uh, the Hawks are in this group of teams that are going to be battling to get in to the East, even the, to the playing game. And lucky for them, there is a playing game. Uh, like, what if what if John Wall comes back and they don't trade him, and John Wall is eighty percent of what he was? I would probably pick the Wizards to make it. You know, that's that's I would probably say the Wizards are better than the Hawks with the amount of talent that they've got. Uh, The Chicago Bulls would like to make the playoffs. They'll be battling for it. Uh, The Charlotte Hornets. Hornets obviously want to make it. So, I mean, you're in this group of Orlando, Charlotte, Washington, Chicago, Atlanta, where I think maybe Atlanta has the upper hand, but, I mean, if they have one injury to one of those guys, which I think that the Thunder got lucky last year that Gallo didn't get hurt, I mean, if they lose Gallo... For a stretch of time Then you That may be it And especially with a shortened season You don't have as much runway
2: So Going back to their over under a half, Which is asking them to win In an 82 game season About 38 wins Yeah Which is right about Where the 8th seed typically is In a normal season So you're basically having to pick them To make the playoffs So mm-hmm. are you going over or under?
1: I'm going to say under Under
2: I think i will go under as well i think uh we just talked ourselves out of it that said like they do have a talented team like, they do have a lot of players that you like there's a lot them of them making the them making the playoffs would not be that surprising no, no, no um it's more just about what their ceiling is it feels like the floor is a lot lower than people are acknowledging Hmm. yeah i totally agree with that
1: i mean you have guys that are You brought in like Rajon Rondo, probably not playing like he did in the playoffs all season. Uh, Tony Snell has not really been a good rotation player, maybe ever. Uh, Clint Capella's got injury history. gallo has got injury history. Bogdanovich has been with the Kings. I think he's a good player, but does he (laughs) make you? (laughs) That's his downside. (laughs) He's been with the Kings. Does he make you anything? I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, and maybe you put him with a guy like Trey Young, and that makes you a nice team, but I don't know. Like how, how far away in talent is De'Aaron Fox from Trey Young? I know there are a
0: lot different players, but I don't know that the talent gap is that big. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick Sporting Goods.
1: Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com.
2: Okay, we have to move on. Cannot talk about Hawks anymore. This is
1: why it takes us. Seven weeks to do over
2: <laughs> Well, this one shouldn't take too long. Nothing to say about them. Detroit Pistons. Oh, gosh. Record last year, 20-46, 82 games. That would have been 25 wins. This year, their over-under is 23.5, which in an 82-game season would be about 27 wins. So, they're actually expecting the Pistons to be a little bit, a few games better than yeah. last year. Their key yeah. losses, Christian Wood, Bruce Brown, Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, Tony Snell. Key additions. Dillon Wright, Mason Plumley, Josh Jackson, Wayne Ellington, Jaleel Okafor, Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, and Sadiq Bay. So, I actually have a question before you say anything. Crystal Ball question. Does Jeremy Grant play more minutes at small forward or power forward? And the reason I ask is because you look at their lineups, there's going to be a lot more small forward minutes available, which I don't think is necessarily the best use of Jeremy Grant but if Blake is healthy, you know those small forward minutes would be minutes with Blake Griffin and one of those bigs, Okafor, Plumlee or Stewart, or will he get more minutes as a power forward, which is just minutes with one of those bigs, which could be Blake.
1: I think he'll be their small forward
2: which doesn't seem great.
1: He's not a small forward
2: I feel like we learned that we know it Ourselves he, he In did, Oklahoma he, City.
1: He, he, he did play a lot of small forward for the Nuggets, so I will say that.
2: You know, I went back and looked at it. it he, he played about a third of his time yeah. last year at small forward. Um, and then he played more in the playoffs, In the actually. bubble. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. It's just that idea, because one it's it's a very different equation saying i'm going to play some jeremy grant some small forward minutes and oh by the way nikola jokic is going to be on the court as well mm-hmm. versus playing jeremy grant small forward and saying like it's going to be blake griffin we're hoping he's healthy and then uh, jaleel okafor <laughs>
0: doesn't
1: sound as good <laughs> yeah dude i uh, this is perplexing to me i really liked what they did in the draft like getting Killian Hayes where they did—that's great value. That's wonderful. Uh, Sadiq Bay at nineteen—I'm a big Sadiq Bay guy. Isaiah Stewart at sixteen was love him a, a reach, but still like a guy where you're like okay, I get it. But then you go and you sign Jeremy Grant to twenty million a year. You trade for Delon Wright, who's by the way two years older than Jeremy Grant
2: least well, fake young guy.
1: Yeah, uh, Mason Plumley, eight million. Why? Like, why don't you? If you want to be a team that's going to be at the bottom of the East, just play Isaiah Stewart. Why are you doing this? What is happening? I, I don't. I
2: will tell you. So I've actually spent some time reading. Some like postmortems of the Detroit Pistons off season. Yeah, uh, one on the on the Detroit Bad Boys blog, and then James Edwards III, who's the beat writer for the Athletic. Yeah, he wrote a a really good piece as well, and it's very funny because I think in both cases, like neither of them necessarily know what happened, but they're just doing their best to try to explain, like what could this possibly. <laughs> What could possibly be the plan? And my general takeaway, if I was to like synthesize everything, was that, one, they're focused on culture. They really want to build a good culture in Detroit, which is great. I think that's a good goal to have. They don't necessarily care if they are one of the worst teams in the league because they think that the flattened lottery odds, it doesn't matter as much. These are all things from these articles. And that they're actually targeting, like, 2022 and 2023 free agency as the time when they're going to, like, make their big splash. So they're planning on being this, like, competitive team with a really good culture. Yeah. And then in two to three years, some guy like Charlie Villanueva is going to be like, yes, (laughs) I want to sign with the Pistons. You know, It's a, it's a disaster. This is a disaster
1: beyond disasters. Because I think there's a chance they hit their over. If Blake's healthy, Jeremy's good. Jeremy impacts winning. We've seen that. We've seen that firsthand. We saw it last year in the playoffs. DeLon Wright, nice rotation player. Mason Plumley, nice backup center. I mean, is... And Derek Rose is still on this team, by the way.
2: Yes, yes. Who was
1: a nice player. For them They waved
2: Zaire Smith They're gonna wave Zaire Smith They're gonna wave And stretch him What They wave And stretched uh, Deadman too They waved And stretched Deadman
1: Why do you you Just keep Deadman And not sign Mason Plumlee To that deal
2: That that was really crazy Because the Detroit uh, Bad Boys blog Brought this up Which is that His deal next year Is only guaranteed For a million So if you had just Kept him (laughs) Through this season And you really Don't want him you could have gotten rid of them for a million dollars, and Call now CLS. they're going to have about two and a half million dollars on their books for the next five seasons.
1: This is an this is a disaster. This is an absolute disaster because this should be a team that shouldn't have Jeremy Grant, Delon Wright, Mason Plumley on their team. They should not be on this team. You just even I don't even care. Like signed Julio Okafor. Who cares? Like he's a two million dollars. Who cares? Bring back Christian Wood, he's 25.
2: Yeah, that was really weird because he's he's 25, he cost half as much as Jeremy Grant. He's basically the same amount you're paying Mason Plumlee. Yeah, like it's not a huge investment. Although I will say that them giving up on him is a little weird. Do you wonder if there's something else going on there? Yeah. If they would just let this 25-year-old guy who they've built him up into what some were arguing was like the best realistic free agent in this class, Yeah. and then they just let him go.
1: Yeah, but you don't have to. I mean, you pay him a few more million than Mason Plumley. What is he getting? Like thirteen million? Like I'd rather have thirteen million of him oh, for sure than nine, eight, or nine million of Mason Plumley. I mean, give me I, it's it's disastrous to me what they did. It's disastrous cuz you all they did was just bring in guys that bring you closer to the middle. You know what? You know what might help your free agency signings if Killian Hayes and whoever they take in next year's draft are good. That would probably help you a heck of a lot more than Mason Plumley and Jeremy Grant. I'm sorry, and I like Jeremy, but Jeremy's not a building block. This this to me I said I think I said this on Monday. This just screams Trevor Ariza going to the Rockets after the Lakers where it's like okay great we got this guy I think he's capable of doing a lot more and he could be this culture setter this guy that can do it like no 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 Jeremy Grant is at best your fourth best guy and that's it I mean that's what he is so and if you're asking him to be more than that it's a disaster my wife I just cut out just at my just Rage of what the Detroit Pistons did this off season.
2: <laughs> I, I like the idea that maybe it just all sounds like it was bleeped out, like you were just <laughs> cursing about the Pistons.
1: I'm so I, this. It was. It's just so frustrating, and it's not like he, it's not like Troy Weaver hasn't had an example in front of him working with Sam Presti all these years on how to actually do this. But go ahead, good luck, way
2: to go. It, And I think when it comes to building a culture, like, yes, you do get some culture by the players that you sign. Like, they they do influence your culture. If you have, like, a really bad culture guy, he can definitely influence it. But especially for a young team, like, culture comes from the top. It comes from the coach that you've hired, it comes from the organization, it comes from the GM. And I would argue if you're like, I, I would argue that you can build a good culture without spending $20 million on Jeremy Grant. And overpaying Mason Plumley. Like, if you read that book, Tanking to the Top About the Sixers, I would say that that was their biggest flaw, that they didn't focus enough on culture yeah. during that process rebuild. And there are stories in there about Nerlands Noel and about Jaleel Okafor about how there just wasn't a lot of accountability in that organization around those guys. Mm-hmm. And, and they were not developed in the way they could have been. I don't think that's going to be the case with OKC because I think OKC's culture has been established now. For decades. Yeah. So this argument that the Pistons need to establish some culture and some identity, I feel like there's other ways to do it than overpaying middle tier free agents. It's a complete joke. It's an absolute joke. So are we going to take them over under? You're basically expecting that you you need them to win the equivalent of about 27 games.
1: I'm going to say under because I just don't think Blake will be healthy. If Blake's healthy, then it's then they're going over. But I still think they're going to be under.
2: Okay. I, I am actually going to go over with them.
1: I hope they I, are. I hope they are. I hope yeah, they screw uh, themselves
2: by signing all these guys. I hope they do. It would be great. I just think they have a lot of NBA rotation players. And I think Dwayne Casey is a good type of coach that can get coach a team to the middle. That's a good um, point.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
2: So, yeah, let's let's go over on the Pistons. Okay, mm-hmm. next, we could probably do two more. <laughs> we, ha- we have to get to five. <laughs> All right, next, the New York Knicks last year won 21 games, which is equivalent of winning 26 games in an 82-game season. This year projected to win 22.5 games yeah. for over-under, which is the equivalent of 27 wins. So, basically... They're expecting them to win one more game than last year. Key losses, Taj Gibson, Ed Davis, Wayne Ellington, Bobby Portis, Mo Harkless. Hey, remember last season when everyone was like, uh, or not everyone, but some New York people were like, hey, this was really smart. Yeah, they missed out on KD and Kyrie, but they signed all these really flippable deals. They're going to be able to flip all of these guys at the deadline. And it, it worked with one of them. Yeah. It worked with Marcus Morris, which was the actually good signing. All these yeah. other guys... Just vanished. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Key additions. Nerlens Noel, Austin Rivers, Obi Toppin, Alec Burks. Um. Okay. So my trivia question for you, Andrew. What is the fewest number of wins a Tom Thibodeau-led team has won over a full season? Oh, wow. Uh, fewest number of games. 45? Correct answer, 31. Oh, okay, okay. So that was his first season with the Timberwolves. When they were the young wolves, they still had Zach mean oh, yeah. at that point. Yeah, but but did have cat, um, did have Wiggins, and they won 31 yeah, thirty one games. Because one of the things I'm trying to factor in here is that Tom Thibodeau is not a tanking coach. Oh no, I, I'd be worried. For, I'd be I'm worried for his health that he's going to have to watch so many losses this year. <laughs> but I do wonder if just his whatever his tenacity,
1: his gumption,
2: his gumption. Gives them a few extra wins that they wouldn't otherwise get because for all the things that I don't like about Tom Thibodeau, I think one thing you cannot deny is that he is very good at taking mediocre cast of players and making them play above their weight class.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So I don't disagree with that at all because I mean, think about them versus OKC where you know that Oklahoma City is going to be like, okay, we really want to focus on the development of SGA and Poku and Baisley and Dort. That's like that's what our focus will be day in, day out. But you're, I agree with you that you look at the Knicks and it's going to be, how can we improve the defense today? Yeah. That's going to be our goal, Is we're going to be the best defensive team we could possibly be today.
2: And that's terrifying for Obi Toppin's development because – the oh, one the biggest weakness of him and why no one was taking him necessarily in like the top three of the draft, even though he's an amazing offensive player, is because people think that he might be terrible defensively. Yep. And is he going to get the opportunity? I mean, he should be playing, you know, thirty minutes a night on this yeah. team. But yeah. is he going to get that opportunity with Tibbs?
1: It's a good question. Who plays ahead of him though, would be my other question to that.
2: Well, you got Julius Randle still there.
1: Yeah, Randall will play um, a lot. I mean, they Mitchell Robinson. They, they yeah, maybe there are some guys. Obi, Top- yeah, I think Obi Toppin will have to play a lot. But you're right, there are some guys like Mitchell Robinson will play a lot for them. I think that Julius Randall will play a lot for them. That uh, they're they're, they're going to be really gross. This is a really just disgusting roster overall.
2: It is, and despite everything I said about Tom Thibodeau. You're still asking them to win the equivalent of like 28 games, which yeah, th- which feels high. Yeah, there's just no way. So I'm I'm going under on the Knicks. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm under.
1: How do you feel about Obi Toppin wearing the number one, being Obi One?
2: Oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah, I like that's a, that. That's a thing. Uh, okay, our last team of the day, the Chicago Bulls. Record last year 22 and 43, which was equivalent to winning 28 games. Their over under is 30 this year, hmm. which in an 82 game season would be about 34 wins. Mm-hmm. So their key losses Chris Dunn, key additions Patrick Williams, Garrett Temple, Devin Dotson. I uh, I got to eat some crow because remember talking about the uh, off season. I thought the Bulls were like prime candidate to just do a bunch of moves. They had, they had all these movable <laughs> contracts. They had all these young guys. They have a new GM, new coach. Oh, I know. And they arguably did less than any other team in the league. Yeah. I mean, they took the interesting pick at number four with Patrick Williams. That was kind of like the one surprise early in the draft, maybe. But otherwise, yeah. like it's it's the Bulls. Like They're just running it back.
1: Yeah, they're running it back. I... I do think adding Billy is a big addition for them. I think that he will make them a better regular season team than they were last year. I don't know what the the health status is of Otto Porter. It's not something I keep tabs on regularly. Mm. But he's his health has been an issue. And if he's healthy, I think he's a tremendous help to them. I don't know if he is. I have no idea if he is. I'm afraid to touch my computer right now because of my internet status. Um, but i th- I'm thinking they could be over, so uh,
2: you need them to win like an extra seven games from last year
1: i mean i I think Kobe White is good. <clears throat> I think Marken will be a heck of a lot better under Billy Donovan than he was last year uh I think Zach Levine could even be better under Billy Donovan as well. So I'm, I'm picking over just because I think Billy will be able to better organize the pieces that they have going into next season. Uh, and I think their coaching was bottom of the barrel last year. So I think that, to me, that makes, to me, it's a big enough difference. And then perhaps you have some growth in guys like um, Markkanen and Kobe White and Wendell Carter as well, who I think Billy will be
2: able to use Wendell Carter very well. And I, th- I think if you were making the case for them, you could look at their game totals for last year, which, you know, they played 65 games. Wendell Carter missed 22. Markinen missed 15. Otto Porter basically didn't play last season. He only played 14 games. Yeah. Those are really key pieces of their young core, maybe Otto Porter less so. And if you can get a healthy season out of those guys, I mean, we were talking about the Bulls as like a dark horse playoff team last season. Yeah, they were the Hawks last year. We were like, "Oh, look
1: what the Bulls did!
2: Are they sneaking in?" Yeah, yeah they maybe... had signed uh, sataransky and we were like, "Oh, playoffs!" I know, <laughs> Thaddeus
1: Young and Tomas Satoransky. <laughs> I mean, we were all pumped about them. But we're pumped yeah, and jacked. Maybe, maybe this is the year that it actually comes to fruition when you
2: actually when you have a coach that's competent. Yeah, this would be the, this would be they would fall into the category of like a post hype sleeper a team who we've already done the hype train on them and everyone's kind of over it. And I think the natural reaction would be to go under, but I also feel like they hit bottom last year and both like organizationally like the players development wise, everything kind of just bottomed out. Mm -hmm. And by bringing in the really respected GM from Denver Arturas and bringing in Billy, a very respected head coach and he's building a very nice assistant coach staff around him. Mm-hmm. They just have so much more stability and organizational legitimacy <laughs> compared to last year.
1: Stability.
2: Sto stability. <laughs> so, I actually was about to go under, but I've talked myself now into the over. Yeah. With, I'm with
1: an, I'm an over candidate. Actually, this Christian Sh- Christian Luer in the comments says it comes down to who's better, Chicago or Atlanta. I'm picking Chicago to be better than Atlanta.
2: Wow, that's your first hot take. It's my hot take of the 2020-21 the- season.
1: Yep, that's that's my hot take. I know Atlanta; they're exciting. It's fun. You got all these new pieces. We got this stale Chicago Bulls team just rotting up in Illinois. But I'm going with Chicago,
2: and more importantly, going with stability.
1: I'm stability.
2: All right, so that takes us to the end of five teams in the Eastern Conference.
1: Wow, this is going to take forever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening to our show. We'll be we'll be back Friday, possibly. I don't know. I might want to take a day off for Thanksgiving, uh, but we'll see. Um, if something happens big, you know that we'll be. Back on the pod. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Enjoy Thanksgiving if the United States. Uh, be safe. Uh, make sure that you are uh, taking the right precautions uh, for the right family members. Just be sure to to use your use your brain and be be kind to everybody around you. If you're not in the United States, uh, hope you enjoy your week. You're just your normal week. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday.